Well, now I actually want to welcome all of our other campuses as they join us here at Central Campus. So I want to say thank you for joining us campuses in South Calgary, in the great city of Airdrie, at Bridgeland, and at Bearspaw, who is actually where my family attends on a regular basis. So way to go, Bearspaw. It is our Global Ministries Weekend where we want to celebrate what God is doing around the world. We have chosen to strategically grow the church everywhere God gives us an opportunity to do so. And today, we want to share with you what that looks like and what he is doing to grow his church around the world. Now, did you know, Center Street, that we actually partner every year with over 150 churches automatically around the world, and then as God gives us opportunities, we actually partner with more this past year, he gave us an opportunity to partner with even more churches, and we're going to share that story a little bit later on. You see, we believe at Center Street Church that that local church is the sustainable presence of Jesus in its community. It's when the people of God join together, they make the long-lasting difference in cities, towns around the world. When agencies and organizations go into town to try to bring change, and then they leave because of problems or funding, it is the local people who believe in Jesus and see everyone that is made in God's image, they stay and continue to bring change to the people. So we at Center Street Church are committed to growing the church. Today I wanna to share a phrase with you that has inspired me but also challenged me, and I'm sure it will challenge us all. I once heard this, if the gospel hasn't affected those around you, has it truly affected you? I'll say it again because it's painfully good. If the gospel hasn't affected those around you, has it truly affected you? Well, this is why today we want to focus on what the gospel has done to us so that we can then bring the gospel to those that God has lovingly placed around us in our neighborhoods, in our cities, at work, wherever it is. He has put people in our lives that we might share the hope that we have. So today I want to introduce you one of our pastors who's in a partner church in our beloved province of Quebec, Pastor Benjamin. He wants to share with you a little bit of what they're doing in Quebec right now in this time of COVID and church. And he wants to say thank you as well to you, Center Street, for your consistent faithfulness in prayer and your generosity. Let's join Benjamin now. Hi, my name is Benjamin Derousseau. I'm a church planter in Vaudreuil-Dorion, in a French region of the West Island of Montreal. Dans notre vision d'église, où on implante des églises maisons, on veut vraiment connecter avec les gens, autant les croyants que les non-croyants de notre région. On veut vraiment montrer aux croyants un, un modèle qui est sain, équilibré, de vivre l'Évangile à tous les jours dans leur famille, leur milieu de travail, mais aussi dans la communauté. On aime dire qu'on est une famille de serviteurs en mission. Durant la dernière année, comment on a vu Dieu à l'œuvre, c'est sûr que ça a été difficile pour l'Église, surtout dans un modèle d'implantation d'Église-maison où on ne pouvait pas utiliser la maison. Donc, on a réussi à créer vraiment un noyau avec les chrétiens. On est revenu sur la vision, on est revenu sur la mission, euh, on a vraiment été dans l'enseignement parce que les chrétiens restaient connectés. Mais toutes nos relations dans la ville, tous les non-croyants, ça a été extrêmement difficile puis on a perdu des gens durant la pandémie. On veut être une église qui est hospitalière, mais l'hospitalité durant la pandémie a été difficile. 
une fois qu'on a pu réouvrir des maisons avec quelques personnes, euh, Dieu est bon parce qu'il nous a renvoyé des brebis qu'on avait vraiment perdues durant la pandémie et que maintenant, ils sont prêts pour aller dans les eaux du baptême. Comme par exemple, on a une dame dans la cinquantaine qui était connectée avec nous puis qu'on l'accompagnait dans les eaux du baptême. On n'a pas pu pratiquer le baptême à cause de la pandémie. Mais durant la pandémie, elle a vraiment euh, eu des attaques de l'ennemi. Euh, elle a rejeté la foi, elle est retournée avec un homme, elle a recommencé sa vie et pendant un an, euh, elle a vraiment rejeté Jésus-Christ. Après la pandémie, euh, elle a retrouvé sa Bible par hasard. Elle a recommencé à lire sa Bible. Elle a commencé à vouloir venir à la maison quand la maison s'est ouverte. Puis elle s'est repentie d'avoir péché contre le Créateur. Et maintenant, elle veut retourner dans les eaux du baptême. C'est vraiment magnifique, mais ça a été difficile durant la période de la pandémie. Qu'est-ce qu'on prévoit pour la prochaine saison? C'est de vraiment annoncer la réconciliation avec Jésus-Christ. Mais on s'est aperçu que les 15-25 ans se posent beaucoup de questions et ils ne savent pas à qui les poser. On veut être les personnes qui vont les réconcilier avec leur créateur. Fait on a vraiment un objectif, c'est de vraiment reconnecter avec les écoles primaires, les écoles secondaires. C'est vraiment là qu'on veut mettre de l'énergie parce qu'on a vu un besoin qui est là. Ils ne savent pas où aller et on veut être ceux qui vont les accueillir. Euh, on a aussi deux euh, familles qui se sont joints à l'équipe dans le dernier mois. Donc, on veut vraiment les fusionner, on veut revenir à la, à la vision, à la mission, avoir vraiment euh, des croyants qui sont soudés ensemble. Donc, on veut vraiment joindre ce, ces nouveaux leaders qui sont arrivés à l'église. Euh, on a recommencé à louer euh, des locaux pour pouvoir euh, s'assembler, louer ensemble. La louange fait du bien de pouvoir louer, de, de, de aussi revenir avec l'offrande régulière. Ça a été dur durant la pandémie, mais là, l'offrande commence à re-rentrer aussi. Donc, c'est vraiment des choses qui font du bien. Puis on voit la prochaine saison qu'on vraiment... On va annoncer la réconciliation avec Jésus. I really want to say thank you to you, our partner, because you make the difference. En tant que représentant du clocher, we want to say thank you. Isn't it wonderful to be able to partner, partner with so many? Well, next I want to reintroduce or introduce you to, for the first time to one of our partners named Ron Pierce, who serves with Empower Ministries. Uh, this past December, if you may remember, we gave you a little teaser as to what God is doing in the continent of Africa and how he's given us an opportunity to share in what he's doing. Well, Ron's going to give us an update on that story. And I, I believe that it is going to totally influence our hearts towards what God is doing around this world. Would you join me watching Ron now as he gives us this update? Hello, friends at Center Street Church in Calgary. This is Ron Pierce from Empower Ministries. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for all that you've done to help extend the kingdom around the world. These are the best days in missions we've ever seen. And it is a time when God is just touching down in so many spots. Well, one of those spots is Ethiopia, and you've contributed towards the work there this past year in 2021. And I just want to tell you one short story about what happened with those funds that you provided. Um, there were evangelists that went out all year long, thousands of evangelists. These national evangelists went out throughout the country, and they would share the gospel. 
with all the friends that they had, all the regions that they went to, with leaders of the various religions. They shared with the common folks, and they just went around for months doing this. When they went into this one area, they went in and the people were extremely eager to hear the message. And the leaders and everyone all accepted Christ. And it spread around that area. And there were thousands and thousands of people that came to Christ through these evangelists that went to that region. So much so that something strange sort of happened. What happened was that the, the, the evangelists were going to go home to visit with their families and um, just, just go home for a rest after a couple of months. But the people who had just accepted Christ, they were on their knees begging them not to leave. They were imploring them. They said, please do not go home. And the reason for this was because they had friends and relatives and neighbors, loved ones, in other villages around that hadn't been reached with the message of the gospel yet. And they implored them, please do not go home until they have heard. Why? Because they were concerned that those people might die before the evangelists got back. And they were so concerned about this that they were on their knees begging them, don't go. This showed them, and it shows me, exactly how deep the gospel went inside them. They knew that they were lost. They knew that they had found the answers and the truth. They had found the promised Messiah. And therefore, they were convinced that they had to take this opportunity and ask these men not to go home. While they went to those areas, the evangelists finally went home. We followed that up with Bibles. In fact, we took in to support the work in Ethiopia last year about 861,000 Bibles and New Testaments. And they gobbled them up right away. They were so hungry for the Word of God. This year, they're asking for a million Bibles just for this one zone. And so that's what our goal is to try to help them. You were responsible for helping us to put these men into the field, these evangelists. It was like a dollar or two dollars per day per evangelist, and then supplying them the opportunity and then giving them the Bibles afterwards. But I'm going to leave you with this one thought. These evangelists that went out there, these were just ordinary people who had accepted Christ, who came out of darkness from their religion, and they realized that they had to go and reach their countrymen with this good news. And when they went, the message was received. These people weren't polished and they weren't deep theologians. What they were, they were people who had studied the word of God, grown to a level, understood their people and the needs of their people. And, and just under the anointing and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, went and shared Jesus. The people there saw this in them, this, this life that had come, uh, to come to birth. And they accepted the Lord Jesus, and it transformed that whole area. And I just want to share that with you, that we today don't have to have prof professionals going around the world necessarily to do the job. It is ordinary folks who are sharing Jesus with their neighbors and their friends and their loved ones. Thank you for helping us. We greatly appreciate it. And I, I know very well that in eternity, there are going to be a lot of people thanking those of you from Center Street that changed their lives by accepting Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Isn't that amazing? 
you need to understand that there's such a great turning to Jesus around the world that it's never been like this in all of history. People are becoming Christians, they're falling in love with Jesus at such a fast pace right now that there's no way to actually count. The only way we can keep track is by how many Bibles we're distributing. I hope you heard how many Bibles they need in Ethiopia right now. It's mind-blowing. Praise God, he's at work. Can you believe that in a time like this where the world is still on fire with COVID, it's losing hope, and yet Jesus, the hope of the world, is providing more hope than we've ever seen before. And we want to thank you for being involved with that. We want to thank you for your prayers and consistent faithfulness as God continues to change the world. Now, it might not feel like that in North America, but I assure you, church family, he's changing the world by the millions Praise God for that. Well, just as Ron shared, it was just a few thousand regular folks that loved Jesus, that knew their Bible, that just started sharing Jesus. Well, it was thousands that were sent out there, and today we want to send out the thousands that would call Center Street Church home. So as we hear from our guest speaker, our very own Val Hopman, she is going to inspire our hearts. God is going to move in us and we are going to send you into the mission field by the end of this service today. And if you're watching online, you hold tight. We're gonna have a special sending prayer for you at the end of this service. So now, would you help me? We're gonna pray for Val as she comes out and joins us, and then she's gonna share the word of God with us. Let's pray for her. Father, we wanna thank you for what you have done in Val's life, how you've captured her heart. Lord, I ask, please capture ours today. Give us hope that bubbles out of us, that it affects everyone that the, around us that you have so lovingly placed near us. In Jesus' name we thank you, amen. Would you welcome Val with me? Romans 10, 14 asks the question, how then? Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? I have been attending Center Street Church for 24 years, and I have loved being involved in life groups, women's ministries, children's ministries, taking classes, all sorts of great things. I receive teaching and biblical truths every week sitting in those very chairs that you are in right now. I have been in the church world a lot, and I like the church world. About 12 years ago, I realized, though, that I didn't know how to relate to those outside the church. It was always awkward whenever my faith was brought up. And there was this tension that occurred when if I tried to talk about God. One night, I laid in bed lamenting over yet another uncomfortable interaction with unbelievers. I distinctly heard the Holy Spirit run a thought through my head, go to the street ministry. Now, I knew the center street had some sort of an evangelism ministry, but I didn't know anything about it, and I knew no one in it. After four months, I obeyed, and I went out to Monday night evangelism ministry. 
Shaking like a leaf, I was there to observe only. Wide-eyed, I watched as men and women from our church talked about Jesus in love and truth. During that first night, a man approached me, and I began to engage with him in small talk. After 15 minutes, my heart started to pound and my palms got sweaty as I mustered up the courage to ask him, do you believe in God? And he looked at me and he's like, of course I believe in God. I'm a Christian. I'm from your church. I'm on your team. I had a lot of growing to do. Nevertheless, my heart caught fire as I discovered that night and the years to follow that the world is truly hungry for an encounter with the one true God. I want to share with you three points rooted in Scripture that have grown me in my journey to reveal Jesus to others. Point number one, we don't just have to have to evangelize. We get to evangelize. Matthew 10, 7, and 8 says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Years ago, when my youngest son was about four years old, we were about to head out, and we were standing in the entryway, and I said, quick, put on your boots. I'm going to race you. We're going to go pick up your brothers from school. I put on my shoes, and I went out to the garage, and I took out the garbage, arranged some things in the vehicle, got in the driver's seat, and I waited. My four-year-old son did not come. I thought, oh, he probably went to play. So I go back in the house, and I looked in the house. He wasn't there. I checked all the bedrooms, went into the basement. Not there. I went out to the backyard, and again, not there. So I went out, and I began walking the sidewalk of my neighborhood. It was a beautiful day, and I noticed that the windows of my neighbors' houses were open. There were even a few that were out on their front lawn. I calmly called my son's name. Where are you, darling? I didn't want to panic or overact for all to see. And I didn't want to be one of those crazy, overprotective moms. I knew he couldn't be far. And yet, time was ticking. And I wondered, did a passing car grab him? Did one of those neighbors I don't know very well yank him into their house? I went back into my house and called again, rechecked every room. My emotions went from confusion to frustration to panic. There was a creek nearby. Did he go back near there? Fifteen minutes passed, and at this point, thoughts of kidnapping and drowning and all sorts of horrible things were running through my mind. I rushed back out onto that sidewalk, and I began running up and down that neighborhood, yelling my son's name, I knew that I looked like a crazy fool, but I no longer cared what anyone else thought. Finding my son was the only thing that mattered to me. After 20 minutes, I knew I needed to act. So for the first time in my life, I called 911. The operator answered, and I said, my son is lost. And as I said those words, I just broke into tears. 
right at that moment, my son came around the corner down the street, and I said, I just found him. And I went running towards my son. And for a split second, I was angry at him and why he had gone away from me. But my love for him was so strong and relief flooded in as I grabbed him and I held him in my arms and I cried. See, we had walked to his brother's school many times and he thought that I was gonna race him on foot to go get his brother's, not in the vehicle. But praise God, when he got to the main street, he knew he wasn't allowed to cross it without an adult. So he turned around and he came back. I can't explain to you the raw, intense emotions that I felt having my son safe in my arms. That night, when everyone went to bed, I began to talk to the Lord. This night could be, have been so different if we had not found my son. I would have been in utter torment and sickening grief, wondering what had happened to him. And the thought just made me shudder. God, what was that? Why did that even all have to happen? And then the Lord immediately and clearly answered me, Val, that is just a sliver of how I feel when one of my children are lost. And I thought of all that had happened and all that I had felt, and I responded, Lord, if that is just a sliver of how you feel, then I repent over every time I have been worried about what others think and every time I have not taken it seriously to speak to someone about you, I will run and yell, beg, I will do whatever it takes. I will act like a fool if it means that one of your children are found. According to several passages in scripture, we get to proclaim the good news. Sometimes after sitting in church for a time, we know the good news, but man, we forget how good it is. So what is so good about the good news? That we get to say some special prayer and then try to be good the rest of our life? No. Colossians 1:13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now I looked at the Greek words in this verse, and it reads more literally like this. God has dragged, pulled with force and violence to liberate you from the spirits opposed to God who have the right and might to rule over you. He then transferred you into the kingdom of King Jesus, who made a way through dying on the cross, becoming alive again, and then conquering death so that you could be saved, healed, and delivered from the things that are trying to destroy you. Now that is good news. Some may think evangelism in this day and age is inappropriate, it's too offensive. What I see in scripture, regardless of the times, is that we actually are loving people at the highest level when we reveal Jesus to them. This leads me to my second point. Evangelism is love in action. 
Evangelism isn't trying to manipulate or coerce someone to have the same beliefs as us. Now, evangelism is love and truth being poured out upon the world as a fragrance of hope and life. I am the church. You are the church. Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. If we truly love God, we will obey his commandments. John 14, 15. We want to grow the church, but not a building or an organization, but grow the kingdom of God, this spiritual family. Because the lost need to know that they too can become heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. Along with every Christ follower, they can grow in all that Jesus died to give us access to in his kingdom. My third point is, God owns hope. Those in the world need to know that Jesus heals. He heals hearts, he heals minds, he heals the wounds deep within, and he heals physical bodies. I've seen it with my own eyes. Those outside the church need to know that the God we serve can take away depression, the heaviness sitting on their chest, and he can stop the voices that torment their minds. Jesus is the only one who can stop the turmoil, turmoil that goes on. He's the only one that can remove the shame and the guilt. And it is Jesus that gives the entire meaning and purpose for our lives. Only Jesus can give a lasting peace that doesn't make any sense. And only Jesus can bring a joy that doesn't depend on the circumstances. And only Jesus can gift you with a righteousness that doesn't depend on what you do, but on who you are in him. See how great the love God the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are, 1 John 3, 1. I was walking out one night on the train platform downtown Calgary, waiting for some friends. I was about to pull out my phone to waste some time while I waited. But instead I just stopped and I said, God, while I'm waiting, is there anybody that you want me to talk to? And if so, is there anything you want me to say? I began walking down the platform and people were just passing by me. I saw a man that was standing and waiting. And as I walked by him, I heard the smallest quietest whisper. I really love that one. I stopped and I had that moment. I was like, was that me? Was that God? Should I just dismiss that and keep going? Or should I stop and engage? I decided to stop. As I prayed, I just knew that I needed to go talk to him. So I just quickly prayed, Lord, now is there anything else that you want me to say besides, I mean, I can go tell him, you know, God loves you. But, you know, that's kind of been overdone. It's on billboards and it's on bus benches. And is there anything a little bit more grand with a lot more details that I could maybe go and it would have a lot of impact on him? But as I waited, I didn't receive anything else. So I walked over to him and stood beside him. And said, 
how's your night going? Then we began to have, again, some small talk, and when that began to die down, I took a breath, and I said, I know this sounds really weird. I love Jesus. And as I was walking by you just a few minutes ago, uh, he grabbed my attention um, towards you, and I just heard him say, I really love that one. I just felt compelled that I need to come and tell you, God really loves you. The man was shocked, and he's like, God just told you that right now? He just, like, right now when you were walking, he said to come over here and tell you, tell, tell me that God loves me? I'm like, yeah. He burst into tears, and he's like, can I give you a hug? I'm like, yeah. So I gave him a hug, and he went on to share with me that just earlier that afternoon, he had been to his doctor's for the severe pain that he was having in his hands and feet because of his diabetes. And his doctor told him that he would never work again for the rest of his life. And in fact, it was going to get a lot worse to the point where he would become immobilized. This man, of course, was just um, really distraught and found himself downtown and at that moment, he was trying to decide whether to get on that train and go home or whether to go deeper into downtown and find someone to sell him drugs. He was going to go down by the river, take the drugs, and then throw himself into the river and end his life. He told me that he'd given his life to the Lord as a teenager but over the last 35 years, he had been far from God. And he told me that earlier that evening, he had actually thought about sending up a prayer to God to ask for help. But right away, another thought came in. He said, you're too far gone. God's not going to listen to you now. And then a stranger came up to him with a message that God really loved him. I spoke to him, I, t I spoke life and truth into him, and we talked all about the God that I serve. I was able to pray over him, and when I was finished, he said, I'm gonna get back on that train and go home. And then he did. And I just wonder, what if I had been too embarrassed? What if I thought that message was insignificant? What if I just didn't feel like it? And I Followed my emotions. Don't be led by your emotions. Lead your heart and be led by the Spirit of God. I just want to take a moment right now for anyone who is listening who does not have a relationship with the God of the Bible in the way that I'm speaking about it right now. Let me tell you who he is straight up. God is the only one who can heal your broken heart. In Isaiah 61, there's this Hebrew word, and it says that Jesus has come to bind up the brokenhearted. That word bind in the Hebrew, which is the original language, indicates that Jesus will put his hand upon the wound where you are bleeding, and he will stop the bleeding. 
in the innermost, deepest parts of you that have been smashed to smithereens. The God of the Bible opens prison doors, sets you free from where you are held captive in your life. He will make beauty where there is ashes. Give your life to the Lord today. You will never regret it. Romans, Romans 9, 10 to 11, book in the Bible says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. Saved from the things that are destroying you. Just cry out right now with all your heart and all sincerity, God, I can't deal with the mess in my life. I can't handle all the hurt, all the despair, the anger, the loneliness. I need you. I have missed the mark. And I will come into agreement with what you say is right and wrong. Forgive me for the things that I have done. Heal me for the things that have been done to me. I want to turn and I want to go a different direction. God, I want a relationship with you, the, the real thing, the one true God. Now, I, in my life, I've stood for a few things. I've stood every time our national anthem is played, Oh Canada. And I've stood every time I've gone to a sporting event and my team comes out and I cheer them on. I've stood during standing ovations when I agree with something wholeheartedly. And years ago at my baptism, I stood and I publicly declared that I would stand with the Lord the rest of my life. If you agree with those words that I just said, and if you, for the first time in your life, are crying them out, or perhaps you're on the fence and you've never made that clear decision, if that's you here today, I'm gonna ask you to do something bold. I'm gonna ask you to stand and if you can't stand, raise your hand as a sign that you are determining that today you will draw a line in the sand and you will declare that Jesus Christ is your Lord and that the one, he is the one you will follow. Let's stand and declare that if that is you today or raise your hand just right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you who have made that decision, I just want to tell you that is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. God sees you, and man, does God ever love you. You can be seated. 
if after the service, if you made that decision for the first time or you, you want to um, let us know, just go up to the information table at the back in the atrium at any campus that you're at. We want to just talk to you, answer any questions, pray over you. We want to link arms with you. You are our brother and sister in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. You can also just pull out your phone and you can text the number on the screen, yes. If you are online today and you made that decision, just at the top of the screen, there's a button that says, I said yes. Just click on that. We just want to come alongside you in whatever way we can. Now, if you are listening today and you are a Christ follower, yet you are struggling with a few things. All of us do. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's despair, heaviness, loss. Life is hard. God just feels kind of far away. Well, you certainly don't feel like you're on the mountaintop of your faith, and you feel like you'd be a hypocrite if you were to go talk to someone about Jesus right now. I want to talk to you. The world is so tired of Christians who seem to have it all together and are perfect. It is incredibly authentic and powerful to open your mouth and to testify something like this. You know, I'm going through some struggles and I don't have all the answers. Man, is it hard some days. But I know that my God is with me. He will never leave me and he will never forsake me. He is good and he is true. And if my life is good, bad, or ugly, I will serve him no matter what. Revelation 12, 11 says, overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. All of us, just take a moment. Remember the first time you encountered God and you tasted of his powerful, sweet love for you and you decided, I will serve this God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who restores, the one who redeems, the one who I can trust and I will serve him for the rest of my life. Remember that, and then go and testify, because he is our only hope. As I conclude my time with you, let me share with you out of Luke 15. Jesus said, leave the 99 and go after the one. A few years ago, I stood and I looked out on a crowd, and the Holy Spirit whispered to me, these are fathers, these are mothers, uncles, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters. That's how we all need to look at the one. Will you go after the one? Someone's father, someone's daughter, the one in the grocery store, the one on the street, 
The one in your neighborhood, the ones you know, the ones you don't know, the one who Jesus died for. Hebrews 10.39 says, For we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their soul. It's one of my favorite verses. I've got to say it again. For we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their soul. This world is an impossible mess. It is full of evil and sorrow and emptiness. And there will never be full peace on the earth until Jesus returns. Let us love God and others more than our feelings of inadequacy, more than our fear of rejection, more than our very lives. You tell me your gift. I'll tell you how you can use it in evangelism. You are the light of the world. Whoever sang that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We should be singing this huge, incredible, Shekinah, glorious light of Jesus Christ in me. I will arise and shine. It is time to run. Run to the world and don't hold back the love of God. Do not shrink back. Let us rise up for the world needs hope and we have a relationship with the God who owns hope. Amen. Thank you, Val. That's fantastic. She's so wonderful. I want to celebrate with you if God moved in you today and you made a choice to follow him for the first time. We want to know, because we want to celebrate with you, because it's the greatest decision you will ever made. And so you can either go to our website, right at the top it says, I said yes, click on that. Or if you're online, you can even text the word yes to our church phone number. Folks, we simply want to be able to walk alongside of you in this new journey of following Jesus. And if, he, if God got your heart again, and you want to be recommitting yourself to going out and sharing the hope that you have, well, today's that day, and we're going to be sending you very shortly. At Center Street Church, we exist to introduce people to Jesus and then help them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so we want to do that as a church community as we grow together in our own discipleship and following of Jesus. Well, we have three very easy ways for you to connect. This should work for everyone that attends Center Street and calls it at home. First, you can either join, or you can join Val herself with Monday Night Evangelism. You can connect with her after the service if you're here, or online you can look up our Monday Night Evangelism on our website and make connection points there. Learn how to do what she's doing the way that uh, the Lord has led her. Secondly, we love Alpha. It has changed the world and we are in. So if you want to learn more about who Jesus is, if you're a, a new believer, maybe you just made that choice today, go onto our website, cschurch.ca slash alpha, and you can sign up to learn more of who this Jesus is that you're entrusting so much of your life into. But if you're a believer, this is what we're asking of you. 
Don't simply attend Alpha. Bring someone. Or better yet, learn how to lead one. It is the most simple thing to learn. You just have to really host. Right now, it's all online. It's easy. We want to multiply these efforts so that people all around the world can get connected to Jesus and learn who this Jesus is that brings us hope. And thirdly, we're having our Basics of Evangelism training class coming up just early February. Again, you can sign up for that online. You can find it. Or you can talk to someone at one of your campuses if you're, on, uh, if you're in person or online. Just put it in the chat box and we will try to make a connection for you to join that training. It's going to be both virtual and in person. We want every person in Center Street Church to be able to go into the world and share the hope that God has given them. Well, at this point, I actually want to turn all of our campuses back to their own leadership so that they can pray over them and send them specifically. So back to you, campuses. But for us, who remain here at Central Campus and online, this is a special time that we get to pray over you. So as you are able, uh, I want you to consider what God has done to you and through you and in your heart this morning. How has he moved? And I want to pray a prayer of sending to you. So if you call Jesus your Lord and you're prepared to continue to call Jesus your Lord, I'm going to ask you now to stand with me as we conclude our time together in prayer. Let me pray for us all. Father in heaven, we thank you for moving among us today. We recognize all of those that you've given to us in our communities that, that we want to reach people for Jesus. We thank you for sending your son to us. So now we ask that you would send us to reveal Jesus to those that we love we pray for your wisdom and protection with great boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. So we want to send you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit to go into the world he's given you and to live out the hope visibly, audibly, so that those around can experience that same hope. 